Well, welcome everyone to the Robin Walters Show here on the Red Sky Radio Network, if you will. So much as always. I want to start with a little bit of an apology, though. Uh, there are a number of you who have started listening to the Sunday Morning with the Robin Walter program, and we had a major glitch last week, which we believe to not only be f- fixed, but one of these good kinds of problems where something goes wrong, And in the course of fixing whatever has gone wrong, you find some other things that need to be fixed, repaired. So we believe the program will be back this week uh, brighter and stronger than ever, improved sound quality, and it will actually be there. And it's going to be a bit of a sequel to this program. So be sure and listen to Sunday Morning with Robin Walter. And uh, just to let you know, if you want to contact me, you may, redskyradio777 at gmail.com or robinwaltershow at gmail.com. Either one of those viable addresses, you uh, can share your feelings, thoughts, complaints, (laughs) contributions. Well, that comes later in the program, but appreciate uh, all correspondence. I really do. You know what? My I promise to start with good news, and I'm stretching the good news a little bit here. But and it's something you already know about. But I just think it's kind of hilarious. It's more fun than good. Actually, in some respects, it's sad. But I'm glad to see it it happening. Frankly, and that was the number of Halloween costumes that reflected a spoof, a sarcastic. A depiction of Joey Cornpop Biden. You probably have seen it on TV with a Biden mask. Uh, One in particular, it's got two or three young kids with uh, aviator sunglasses on going as Secret Service agents. And they're picking him up as he falls down here and he falls down there. And the one that I just saw this morning I had not seen before was one where he comes up to the front door of some house and he and he shakes a woman's hand and then it's hilarious the kid as doing Joe Biden uh, after he shakes a woman's hand at the door uh takes his uh hand to his nose and starts to smell the smell of the woman and she says look don't smell me and it really is hilarious but sad at the same time this guy is such a doofus, such an oaf, such a nincompoop, such a nitwit, such a dimwit, so morally compromised, totally incompetent, on a highway train to hell. There's no way this guy could be added to heaven without anything intervening, unless something intervenes in the meantime. But I don't, who knows? But it's being picked up by 8, 9, 10, and 11-year-olds. What do kids at this age pick up that 46% of the electorate can't figure out who still seems to support Biden? Wouldn't that be the embarrassment? I mean, I can, 
you know, not that Mayorkas or Christopher Ray or any of those, any part of Biden's goon squad live in neighborhoods where kids can trick or treat. But wouldn't that just be the most hilarious thing to have one of these kids doing the Biden impersonation, falling over, trying to sniff who's ever, whatever female is at the front door, and it's Mrs. Mayorkas, it's Mrs. Ray, it's uh, whatever, whoever. Goodness sakes, it's AOC. My goodness, they probably slammed the door in the 10-year-old's face. AOC, who knows? They, they slip them candy with fentanyl in it, for all I would know, the left does, because they hate people. The left hates civilization. I cannot come down to any other conclusion. I don't need to prove it over and over and over and over again, even though I have a few stories today that will underscore it, but made to a different point. They, destroy, they, they, they want to kill people. They want to facilitate suicide for almost any reason, like they do in Canada, because a woman didn't make, make the cut for an acting career, and she went, uh, went and killed herself under doctor's uh, prescription or allowance. Kill them in the middle life, those who want to commit suicide. Get rid of the old people. Kill everybody in the womb, uh, if they could, apparently, to, for climate change reasons. We don't need more people. Kill them in the womb. Kill them when they come out of the womb. If we don't get them there, we'll make sure that uh, we facilitate kids' suicides by introducing them to queer sex, sodomy, all the aspects of homosexuality, abortion. Let's have these young kids uh, not possibly feel worse about themselves. Under Joe Biden, suicides are up among young people. Without a doubt. Everything wrapped around Democrats, which now you know why I call them Democrats. They are. They're from the pit of hell. I'm back to wearing my shirt. Generally speaking, Democrats suck. I got two of those shirts. I'm back to wearing them. I laid off them for a while at the request of my wife because she didn't want to be around when I got approached by somebody. But those days are over. The days of caution are over as we will get to later in this program. So anyway, that is that story. I want to cover a few things today that are a bit off the wall, but to show you how common sense is no longer common. Nonsense is the, is the uh, psychological standard by which all common sense is uh, denigrated, frankly, at all levels. But it comes from a dumbing down of our education, the absolute elimination of the word of God, and let, uh, let left-wing morons and evil, evil people lead states, cities, the federal government, one of which is Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson. This guy is such a loser. Chicago just has one loser mayor after another, which is really quite interesting because... They always complain about, uh, we need equity, we need equity, we need equity. Well, how much equity do you need, Chicago? You're already practically all black. It's not like the whites are taking stuff from you in Chicago. They need whites there, actually. Why? Because they got to have somebody to blame. He's calling on the city of Chicago to give black residents fewer parking tickets than whites to accomplish, quote, racial equity. 
racial equity is a piece of bull crap. It's called affirmative action dressed up in a new word called equity. Most of these people don't know what it means, and it means when the value of your house exceeds what you owe. Maybe they don't have any equity in their house, so they can't relate to equity, so they call, they call it racial equity. Make it up. It's affirmative action. It's actually discrimination of the worst kind, and it's just breeding war in this country. So the city of Chicago calling on the city authorities to give the, give the black residents fewer parking tickets in the effort to push and accomplish racial equity. Now, let me tell you, how is discriminating against whites? They all get parking tickets, and the blacks don't get any or get fewer. We just let them go. This is like the woman who walks out of the Walmart and doesn't want to pay and says, hey, come back here and pay. She says, hey, it's reparations. Do you see what part of the black community has been f- fueled with? Now, don't overlook the fact that I think 75% of blacks do not support reparations. The other 25% apparently just want to call it stealing, but with a new name, racial equity, preference in the law, no ca- a cashless bail. So the city has established a racial equity office. Oh, how precious. How precious is that racial equity office? Which pushes the idea that there is an urgency to deal with white supremacy and now is to make the city police give fewer parking tickets to blacks. What is the white supremacy urgency in a town that's primarily black? Oh, are, oh is, is so the, the police are now, um, how are they going to find, this is interesting, how are they going to find out what is the color of the owner of the car they're giving the parking ticket to? Parking ticket to. So you got a parking ticket. You come into this, come into deal with your parking ticket. They say, "Oh, you're black. I go. You go free. Ali, Ali, Oxen, all in free." Oh, you're a white guy. No, you, uh, you, you get, you pay this. And um, but I'm not part of Chicago. I was just visiting. I was from uh, coming from Skokie. That doesn't matter. You're white. Pay up or go to jail. How does this not breed civil war? Somebody give me an answer on that. And this is one of a gazillion things. I don't do this program. Uh, I've, I've saved it. I got a stack uh, uh, over an inch thick of stories that prove that the, the most significant discrimination in this country is against whites. Overwhelmingly, racial superiority is actually black supremacy these days. We've got a lot of black listeners to this program. They know, they know my heart. They also know I'm going to tell the truth. And we need the blacks that are listening to this program to spread the news and the fact that uh, they've got to knock it off. I mean, not, not the ones listening to this program, but the others have got to knock this off and get decent people in office. Of course, the, the press will never tell you there's a record number of blacks that support Donald Trump because the, the, it is divide and conquer. It wasn't Caesar that came up with that. That was Satan that came up with divide and conquer. If I can divide this country, I'll conquer this country. If I can divide the people, if I can put them at war, if I can make them hate each other, if I can make them want to kill each other and shoot each other and want to live in some neighborhood where they don't have to see anybody that's uh, any different than themselves, if I can cause that kind of division, I can bring this country down. That's what you hear from the mainstream. That's what you hear from the white elitists who, frankly, 
uh, are used some of the black civil rights leaders as masters of the plantation. There you go. Okay, how stupid can things get? Check this one out. The American Ornithological Society. We know what an ornithologist is? Okay, somebody studies birds. Right. Well, there's a major flap in the bird-watching world, the American Ornithological Society. You know what? I just had an old joke come to mind. I never tell jokes, but I this program's heavy. I think I'm going to share this one. It just kept popped into my head. There's a guy at the University of Michigan who takes his class in ornithology. And he skipped class most of the time. The final exam showed 20 sets of bird legs on one column and 20 names of birds on another column. And he had to match the right bird legs to the, to the correct bird. Well, he'd skip class. He didn't study. He didn't think this would be kind of an exam. He was going to flunk it. And angrily, he walks up to the front of the room, takes his test booklet, and he whips it into the trash. And the teacher says, young man, what is your name? And he pulls up the, pulls up the leg of his jeans, his left leg of his jeans, and shows his calf and says, you tell me what my name is lets his pants leg down, and walks out of the class. I thought it was a great situation. Anyway, the Ornithological Association is out to rename dozens of birds to, quote, address past wrongs, end quote. They said bird naming after slave owners and colonialists should be renamed to make the bird-watching community more inclusive. Are you serious? I'm quoting. To make the bird-watching organization more inclusive. You know what? If we can't get rid of these, the names of these few birds, maybe we're going to have some of the homeless people out watching birds. Maybe we're going to have some blacks and Hispanics bird-watching if, uh, because they are so triggered by these slave-based na- names for birds that they have just checked out and tuned themselves out on anything dealing with birds. And it's a real travesty. It's a real crime. So that's what they're going to do. They're going to rename 70 to 80 species just within the United States. Quote, they said, as scientists, we work to eliminate bias in science. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, How about political science, Jack? Well, okay, continuing with the quote. But there's been historic bias in how birds are named and who might have a bird named in their honor. Exclusionary naming conventions developed in the 800s Clouded by racism and misogyny. See, it doesn't even actually say racism and misogyny. It says clouded by it. Though that doesn't work for us today, and the time has come for us to transform this process and redirect the focus to the birds where it belongs. That's a statement here. Continuing the quote, there's power in a name, and some English bird names have associations with the past that continue to be exclusionary and harmful to today. End quote. Are you serious? Are you actually telling me that there are bird names out there that that cause offense and harm to various minorities or whomever or to women? I'll tell you, those are people who, frankly, need a frontal lobotomy. And they shouldn't be able to vote. And a whole bunch of other things. 
If you are that fragile that you get triggered by a supposed possible misogynistic or some remote connection to a a racist 200 years ago is causing um, causing you problems causing you mental distress and you end up in the ER and you're also demanding a, a reduction in the uh, your parking ticket fine. Get out of here. We, we are so screwed as a country. So the, oh, there's, here's one. The McCown's lar- Longspur. A prairie bird has now been re-nicknamed the Thick-Billed Longspur. And why? Because John P. McCown was a general in the Confederate Army during the U.S. Civil War. Well, maybe this guy actually was the one who discovered the bird. There's a, they don't even tell you why, how it came to be named after that person to begin with. Maybe he was a person who actually uh, discovered, and maybe he was an ornithologist, and it was named after him. So what? Would we not uh, name it after him because he had too many parking tickets? How about taking away uh, names from anybody of that something has been named after that if that person was an abortionist and loves killing children in the womb? So he's a Confederate in the general. It doesn't even say he had slaves. It only said he fought in the, in the Confederate Army. There are a ton of Confederate soldiers who had no use for slavery and didn't own slaves. The fact of the matter is most of the slave owners were not in the Army. They weren't the soldiers. They're back running their plantations. Quote, ornithologists have long grappled with the historical and contemporary practices that contribute to the exclusion of black, indigenous, and other people of color, including how birds are named. So not only do we not even know that McCown even ever had slaves, this is where we are in this country. This is so stupid. I will, if Arizona ever does reparations, I'll move to a state that I don't have to pay for that crap. Right, like I said, maybe reparations go the other way because three hundred and thirty-five thousand white boys died to set blacks free. Of course, I don't believe that either. But that's the argument because in the Bible it says that the the parents should not pay for the sins of the young, and the young should be executed for the sins of the parents. Each is responsible for their own. But we don't even know this guy has slaves. But where we are today, we would strip McCown of the bird name that actually maybe he discovered. If he lived, if he didn't have any slaves, but he just lived two doors away from some guy whose brother-in-law's second cousin owned a slave. In other words, if you were born in the 19th century, you're screwed. And you you lived south of the Mason-Dixon line. (sighs) Okay, next. Now we're moving on. Let's get down to, uh, well, no, we can't quite move on. I want to give you a war, not a warning, but a wake-up. Whenever you read, I'm a weather nerd. I love reading about weather. I just do. And the difference and the records here and there, which is why it really take, ticks me off, this whole global warming crapola. But I want you to pay attention to something. I want you to alert you that if you have any affliction or disability like I have, dealing with this fascination, with weather and weather stories. Take note of how every single time there's an issue of uh, a strong hurricane, extra tornadoes, heat wave, what it doesn't matter what it is, 
uh, turtles, turtles are migrating now to the north. It doesn't matter. Global warming, climate change is in every single one of those articles. You know that, you've read that. But here's what you don't read. Take the record-breaking cold that's being called for here in the United States. I mean, goodness sakes, my home state of Michigan got eight inches of snow, I think New, uh, Halloween Eve or something, way early. You cannot read, well, you can't read any article about any apparent weather extreme on one side without it referencing climate change because the climate warriors have to keep reinforcing that story because, frankly, they don't really believe it. Some of them don't believe it themselves. But whenever there's a record cold, record frost, record snow, cold wave, the coldest winter ever in South Africa, which was a couple years ago, not once, not one single time, and I hope you pay attention when you read these stories, will you ever see or hear climate change recognized as a possible source of the climate anomaly of cold? Maybe God just throws us into a deep freeze to blow the brains out of these morons who think that somehow man is in control of things. But there is some good news, because I love this one coming out of the, of the green climate change world. Boulder, Colorado. You can't get any greener than that city. In a, in a state that couldn't be any greener, these are the climate change warriors of all time. Uh, they realize that their electric buses aren't working. They don't climb the mountains. They run out of they run out of electric reserve. They got to be charged too much. They can't make it up the hills. Blah blah blah. The electric buses aren't worth crap unless they run ten miles a day on flat ground, basically. So they just put in a request for seven hundred and thirteen million dollars for diesel school buses. They said. In addition to the required of frequent recharging, the struggling with altitude, the extreme cold that makes electric buses reduced range in hilly areas, and the propane and propane buses have limitations on mountain roads, uh, diesel buses just seem to make more sense. Do you hear that? Coming from Boulder, Colorado. How bad is Hamas? I'm only going to give you one story. This should tell you everything. Hamas terrorists have now confessed to raping corpses. Now, technically, it is a rape because whenever there is sex without the consent of the other party, it's a rape. Right? Sorry, I'm going to play lawyer here for a minute. You've got to have a victim. And if the victim doesn't consent, then there's a rape. So if it's a dead person, dead person can't consent, so they're having sex. Necrophilia among the Hamas terrorists, and they would get $10,000 plus an apartment. They did that and took in hostages. They got this elaborate scheme from the pit of hell, and we're supposed to somehow try to caution Israel to not just blow them off the face of the earth. I wish they would. So we're going to move down the Biden lane here now. Joey Cornpop, I'm your left-wing puppet. Biden says that the Middle East must, absolutely must consider a two-state solution. Joey, try the Bible, you fake and phony Christian. You're not a Christian. You're, you, you fake it like you're one. There's nothing you believe that's biblical. 
Uh, anyway, Joel 3.2, I will judge the nations that divide my land. Get ready, Joey Cornpop, to be a participant with that which was started by George H.W. Bush in 1991, supporting the two-state solution, also known as the final solution if you're, if you're Jewish. I mean, if there's anybody in politics that really, really needs a frontal lobotomy, it's Joe Biden. But that's not going to cure the problem. He is fundamentally evil. So it's not the lack of brain power that's the fundamental cause here. He is just, uh, he's just bad. He's really, really bad. So let me ask here this question. And if Joey were here, I would ask him this question, but um, he wouldn't answer it because he wouldn't come prepared with the appropriate cue cards, which he can't read anyway, but he tries. Joey, baby, how does a two-state solution solve anything when one side's only goal is the death and elimination of the other. You see, the Palestinians already rejected a two-state solution, what, 10, 12 years ago? They rejected it because they had to promise peace in exchange. Peace has never been their goal. It's to kill every Jew and eliminate Israel. How do you provide safe harbor for people who are built around your elimination. The guy, who's, who, the guy who's pledged that he would, his primary goal in life is to kill me, and then I'm supposed to offer him uh, an apart, uh, a room in my house. That's kind of what that's going on here. Oh, man, it's just, it's unbelievable. And so Biden... Now is meddling. He wants a uh, he wants a replacement for Benjamin Netanyahu. Sorry, Joey, we want a replacement for you, and for Gavin Newsom if he pops in, and Cammy No Brains Harris, cackling hyena that she is. Yep, he wants a he wants to pick a successor to Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who is the best Prime Minister in recent time for Israel, but he wants to meddle in their efforts. You know what? This is a Joey Cornpop that blew off Netanyahu twice now when he's come to the U.S., wouldn't even meet with a guy. And you know what? Netanyahu should have blown him off when he came to Israel. He should have just said, hey, Joey, you know what? Uh, what, why, don't you, why don't you go to hell or whatever Netanyahu would want to say to him? I don't care. Get out of here. Get lost, punk. Take that Air Force One, turn it right around. We'll let we'll give you we'll give you an hour of refuel and beat your butt back to Washington D.C., where they'll where everybody was cheering because you left town for a few days. No, you go back there where you belong. You finish ruining your country and quit trying to ruin ours. You just you, you think this war this war is just a, an inconvenience. To your getting elected, Joey. But to us, it's life and death. We're trying to preserve our lives, our children, our families, our homes, our land, our country. And all you care about is the next election. So you want to look good like you're coming over here like a big Middle East peacemaker. Get out of here, Joey. 
Don't let the screen door slap you in the fanny on the way out. Am I overstating things? Am I getting carried away, folks? I don't know. Anyway, so Joey's trying to go communist just as fast as possible. So he's got the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission that's uh, planning on dictating a rule how transgenderism and abortion are addressed in the workplace. That's right. That's what he's doing. The EEOC is preparing to identify that the, uh, the simple and mere voicing of any opposition to abortion or contraception, just voicing opposition, just voicing it, constitutes workplace harassment. Now, notice that it doesn't state the voicing of support for abortion or contraception as workplace harassment, only the opposition to baby killing. So it's okay to spout off as a pro-abort, but only the opposition is penalized or failing to refer to an employee or a co-worker by their preferred pronouns, just patient's pronouns. Under the guidance, members of the workforce who are pro-life do not hold the tenets of gender ideology can be found guilty of harassment for just expressing or living in accordance with their views. More on this when we get back. The Robin Walter Show is a listener-supported program. Your contribution goes to help as many people as possible to hear that the Word of God has answers to help you survive and even thrive in the dark days ahead in this country. We pledge to bring you the critical information you need to make informed decisions in this age where big tech and big media have conspired to rid our country of everything Christian. Please send your support to... Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. Thank you. These days there's dudes getting facials, manicured, waxed, and Botoxed. With deep spray on tans and creamy lotion-y hands You can't grip a tackle box Yeah, we're following these men lining up to get hurt It's heading out to be feminized But I don't I like my hair I've still got a pair Yeah, I'm still a guy All my eyebrows ain't but there's a gun We are back. Robin Walder here. So under this new rule, employers have to force employees uh, tell them that if you say anything about abortion, you say anything about contraception, if you don't use the personal pronouns that the people want to have, those precious little personal pronouns, then you are you are a workplace harasser. And what are the consequences? I don't know. Fired, lose your job. I was debating whether to play that song or Johnny Paycheck's song, Take This Job and Shove It, which I play sometimes, which is what you'll need to do if you are in that kind of a strait. Say, you know what? 
just go suck an egg, employer. It's been nice, but now I got to go scream. And actually, I need to go start a business of my own and see what I can do to run you out of business. And we aren't going to abide by the EEOC. No, in fact, we'll move to a state that secedes from the union where we actually can practice our God-given rights and freedoms without being dictated to by a minion from hell. Uh, you know, am I making myself clear on this program? Well, part of the problem deals with this next story. You know the Dove Awards, the Christian Contemporary Christian Music Society, the Dove Awards Christian Music. I covered this um, about two months ago that this guy who's a tranny named Flamey Grant, Flamey Grant, was one of the number one singers on some Christian radio stations. She ends up, I'm sorry, he, because it's a guy. It's pretty easy to tell the difference between a guy and a girl. Uh, it's anatomical reasons, which we can't bring up on the program. But then she is, and, and, and this Flamey Grant was um, Matthew Blake, who was a former worship leader in a church, right? He goes over the queer side, the dark side, the tranny side, the side that uh, bought tickets for hell. And he's joined by Derek Webb, who is the lead singer of a group some of you may know from a little while back called, called Cademan's Call. And they play at the Dove Award Ceremony. The Dove Award Ceremony puts up with this garbage, this crap. So I want to read something to you. It's a little lengthy, but it deserves to be read. It is written by the lead singer for a group called Skillet, which has been around for a long time, the front man, Mr. John Cooper. And he writes here that um, as follows. And let me just get this right here. I'm going to find my place in the piece here. So I start with the right quote. Well, the, the article references Derek uh, Webb here, the, the, the guy from Cayman's Call, is a contemporary Christian music artist who turned away from the faith. And now he's partnering with Flamey Grant, the drag queen and former worship leader named Matthew Blake. So I don't know why you would put Christian music artist and turn from the faith. I guess he once was Christian. That's what it appears to be here. Michael Brown's writing about this said, these guys are openly queer Christian artists, as if one could be openly queer and follow Jesus at the same time. Not a chance. End quote, Michael Brown. So he comments here that uh, Cooper, that front man for Skillet, he said, hits this thing just right. He wrote a piece and he said, in response to a Christian contemporary music leader who was angry at the words of Cooper because he said, by, by coming out against these guys, you're not expressing love. There's a, there's a lack of love. Well, actually, before I get to the quote, it's actually a lack of love for not standing up against this. It's a lack of love to simply allow thousands and thousands of impressionable kids to be misled and astray 
by this abominable apostasy by fake and phony Christians playing in Nashville under the guise of the Christian Music Awards. Well, when you don't stand up to this crap, now you know why we are in trouble. The schools are a problem. But when the churches and Christian organizations don't stand up, they actually are more accountable than the government schools who never knew God. It's like like the ten tribes of Israel. They walked away from God. They disobeyed God. But Judah, the tribe of Judah, and then Benjamin, to be included, actually knew God's word and didn't follow it. So who does worse? The Bible said those who know to do good and don't do it actually are more at fault, which means that Christians who put up with this crap, maybe they aren't Christians, but they actually cause more damage than the queers and trannies that are just out in the street who've never had any interface with a Christian in their whole life. You guys are the problem. But Cooper nails it. He said to this guy who came out complaining that John had a lack of love, he said, well, you describe love as libertarian tolerance, an unwillingness to call out evil amongst God's people, and that it's impolite or off-putting to warn the sheep that the wolves are coming for them, and to treat compromise in the church as if sin is a subjective standard. Sincere question question here, sir. Were Christians not acting like Jesus when they spoke against slavery? Or when they stood for civil rights? Was Bonhoeffer a judgmental Pharisee when he was warning the church against Hitler? Some more sincere questions. If people attended the doves dressed in KKK hoods, would love for Christ and being all about the Father's business demand silence from Christian artists? After all, God is a judge, not us, right? What's a little racism in our midst? So will you support folks attending in blackface? What if a section of the contemporary Christian music artists began promoting shout your abortion and praising the killing of the unborn as an act of love? Does Jesus respond to that, or does he just love people so much that he stays silent about calling good evil and evil good? What if folks came to the doves promoting segregation between blacks and whites? or promoting the end of laws that bar minors from entering into consensual sexual relationships with adults. Spoiler alert, sir. There's no way that you or other folks in the industry would stay silent if those things happened at the Dove Awards. So, you need to ask yourself, why would I be more bothered by racism than sexual immorality? Your take on what it means to love Christ and others is sentimental, but not biblical. If church is to be salt, salt purifies. Sometimes it stings in a festering society. We are light. Light shines in darkness. And you're suggesting that we can't truly know what darkness even is. But the word says, quote, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Webb and others are attacking Christ and the church at our most vulnerable spot, our children. And you're half defending it? For whosoever shall cause one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. 
The entire Old Testament is God calling His people to stop sinning, to purify themselves, to obey His commands. And when they obey, they are blessed. When they don't, God brings judgment. Jesus repeats that message. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. As if this wasn't enough, God gives us a sobering warning that bears mentioning at this very moment. For those with ears to hear, listen. But I have this against you, you that tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. He's quoting Revelation 2.20. I beg you to reconsider what it means to love Christ and to feed his sheep, to tolerate evil, to relativize sexual immorality, and make the gospel nothing more than treating people nicely. Well, that ain't it. That is a fake gospel. And it's a gospel that is ineffectual to save. It's treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. You're a lover of pleasure rather than a lover of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying his power thereof. And the word says, to avoid such people as you. I've inserted that. The gospel is the power of God for salvation, not moral relativism. Oh, my gosh. This letter, this is just one of these things. Now, what I find intriguing about this is while he has said this in, he has expounded much more extensively than I have on that precise topic, but this was a point that I raised in a similar context on numerous programs before related to the Christian baker in Colorado who wouldn't put the two guys thing on a wedding cake for two queers and then they sued him and then he didn't do it for trannies and now the trannies are suing him. Colorado hates Christians. CHC, Colorado hates Christians. It does. There's some good Christians in Colorado. They're just in the distinct minority. They hate this baker because what the baker does is convict them of their sin. And so what I have said on several occasions before, how would this be if instead of being a, instead of being a white heterosexual male baker, let's just say it's a uh, just a Jewish baker, and a couple of skinheads, a guy and a girl, come in, and they want a wedding cake made with a swastika on the wedding cake. How about if the black the baker is black? Doesn't matter whether he's male, female, or what. He's just black. That's the baker. And the people coming in are a couple of whites who are getting married, and they want a wedding cake with a Ku Klux Klan symbol on the top of the cake. Would anybody say that that Jewish baker has to go forward and actually physically participate in the religious denigration against himself? Of course not. How about the black baker? No way, Jose. And I could give it, and, and there are other examples you could give. Those are the two that I've always given. Cooper is saying the same thing now in the context of what happens when people, supposed Christians, are coming against other Christians who oppose a couple of queer trannies performing at the Christian Music Awards in their drag outfits. It's sickening, it's nauseating. 
You understand, this is why the Scripture says judgment. Where does judgment begin? Five seconds. One, two, three, four, uno, dos, cuatro, tres, cuatro, cinco, five, and time's up. Judgment begins at the house of God. The house of God. Judgment begins where those who should know better don't do better. How do you, I mean, how do you chastise? How do you punish a four-year-old kid who never really knew that he shouldn't be uh, taking a, a freshly baked cookie off the shelf as he walks by? He didn't ask permission. He just took it. Hey, Mom, bake these cookies for me, and I'm me, and I'm hungry, and this looks and smells good. I'll take one. Compare that to after the child's been told that when these cookies come out of the oven, they have to cool, and then they go in the cookie jar, and you don't get any until you ask me because we don't want to spoil your supper. But now he's seven years old. He said, ah, forget that overbearing mom. I'm just going to go do this anyway. He knows better, right? Who should be punished? Or in some cases, you might say, who would be punished more if there is any culpability in one person, but a lot more culpability in the other. Obviously, the one who knows better, to whom much is given, much is required. And given would include knowledge and information, along with other sorts of things. That's who gets judged worse. That's why judgment begins at the house of God, because they should know better than to do that. And when they violate God's word Willingly, knowingly, intentionally is different than when you violate God's word accidentally or without knowledge. It's different, and it should be. Would not a just God punish those who have committed a greater crime, so to speak, in the sense that what they did, they did with knowledge and intent, where the other person was, it's the, the person who intentionally parks uh, in a red curbed area, he knows he's not supposed to park there. It's illegal. He parks there. Would that person maybe be treated differently than the person who parks there but didn't know the red curb because the guy's colorblind? Red happens to be one of the colors he doesn't see. I mean, there are. I don't need. I don't need to give you any more examples. This is just that straightforward. Just how simple this is. But I want to share with you something that kind of wraps up this part of the program. There are words from an ancient Roman historian by the name of Livy. And he said, sinking the foundations of morality as the old teaching was allowed to lapse. I'm just going to stop there. Because when the people didn't challenge the double words accommodating these... They aren't, silence is acceptance. To not respond is a response that you either don't have the guts to respond or you don't care or you actually support whatever the evil is that's going on. That's why what they're doing is they're allowing the old teaching to lapse. That which we knew, we're just not going to do anything about it. It's just too uncomfortable. I don't want to make enemies. I want to be friends with everybody. And how can I reach the sinners if I'm enemies with them? Well, how can you reach the sinners if you just go along with everything a sinner does? How do you not confront them with evil? 
that past that that statement that I referenced last week, John Wesley, that confronting all the evil that overspreads the land is one of the noblest ways of confessing Jesus Christ. So back to the quote from Livy. Because he's talking about right where we are today, even though he was, this was a couple thousand years ago. Because we are letting the old teaching just lapse, not doing anything about it, not defending it. It's that old that saying to not make to not decision to not make a decision is to have decided. Silence is not golden. I love that song by the Tremolos. Nineteen sixty six. Sorry. Got the record. But to not silence is not golden here. It means acquiescence. Back to Livy. Sinking the foundations of morality as the old teaching was allowed to lapse with the dark dawning of our modern day when we can neither endure our vices nor face the remedies needed to cure them. Is that not where we are? We don't have the guts to speak the word of God You've got a two-edged sword in your hand. And you don't speak it. You don't speak it. So the, the assumption is that you go along with it. And what? And the, the, the left couldn't care if you're a weenie. You don't have the guts. They like, they like that top, those kind of Christians. Those Christians who aren't part of the way need to get out of the way. But don't go around calling yourself a Christian and then never take a stand for anything and everything that Jesus would take a stand for. Don't do that. But I want to read this one more time here to get the full import. Sinking the foundations of morality as the old teaching was allowed to lapse and the dawning of our modern day when we can neither endure our vices nor face the remedies need to cure them. We can't we can't endure the sin. You can't tell me that the people who were going along with that with that crowd in Nashville actually enjoyed it. They just didn't have the guts to speak against it. They can't endure it. But but neither can they face the remedy needed to cure them, which is to speak out and say, Hey, I'm sorry, you guys. Right during the performance, stand up and quote, what is it? Deuteronomy 22.3. A man shall not wear the clothing of a woman, as a, uh, nor a woman wear the clothing of a man. It is an abomination. You, Webb and Flaming Grant, are two abominations. Get out of here. Cause a disturbance. Ruin the CCM awards. But take a stinking stand and not sink, be in sinking sand. It's, so what does this come down to? We've got serious problems, but much, much of the problem just simply stems from the fact that the church is no longer salt and no longer light. There are very few. I hope that you re- you hear the Sunday Morning with Robin Walter program because I am going to share what you have to do in this modern day, which isn't really any different than what's been done through all of history. When you take a stand, and it isn't going to be just among friends or supposed, uh, 
what, fellow travelers in the music industry in Nashville. It's going to be when the government orders you to do what the EEOC is getting ready to order all employers and employees to have to do. You're going to have to make a decision. And the decision when you hear this teaching from the Word, I hope will become very, very obvious to you. We are headed for a split. The Word says that a nation divided itself against itself cannot stand. And I used to think, and most people today still think, that means that's why we can't have secession. A nation divided itself against cannot stand, so we can't secede. Folks, uh, spoiler alert here, that we are already separated. We are already separated. The number of Democrats, Democrats that want blue states to leave the union is now one-third of all Democrats. And 40% of Trump supporters, a.k.a. maybe true Republicans, want the same for their for their states. People are moving to be around people that they like. We are divided as much as we have ever been since the Civil War. And guess what happened during the Civil War? And they had a civil war. We're going in the same direction. Whether it be a civil war or not, I don't know. But it will be the left attacking the right. It won't be the right attacking the left. The left calls for violence against those that they can't force their will upon and whom disagree. The right only uses force in self-defense. Another teaching that's coming up, when you must know when and how to use a firearm for your preservation, for your spouse, your children, when appropriate, your property. When is it allowed? Biblically speaking. These are the times we live in that modern-day pastors, frankly, don't have the guts and don't, or don't simply care enough that they just think it's all about love and peace and inclusion. Well, Jesus was not all about uh, uh, love, peace, and inclusion, except his form of peace and his form of love. But he wasn't about inclusion, was he? If he was about inclusion, why would he have gotten the bullwhip out and drive out all the money changers in the temple? Why would he have rearranged the furniture if he was just an inclusive, tolerant Jesus? Yeah, well, guess what? The one that he was not tolerant of were all the ones who were faking religious Judaism, like today's fake Christians. Judgment began then with the house of God. It will begin now with the house of God. The churches that aren't doing right, whether it's your Joel Osteen's or your uh, what's I've got even um, Andy Stanley, some of these losers that are out there and leading people astray. Judgment's coming on them, and it, and I trust that God's hand won't be slack, because the sooner judgment is rendered against false prophets and false teachers, the quicker, and the more assuredly the people that were sheep in those flocks will get out and find a real shepherd. 
This is Robin Walter with the Robin Walter Show, encouraging you to sit tall in the saddle, America, and wherever else you may be, Namibia, Qatar, Netherlands. God bless you. We'll see you next week.